I have a lot of humor that happens in my head that I can't articulate into thoughts. So you'll just see me laughing sometimes. And, like, I can't tell you why because it's, like, in my head. And I can't, like, explain, like, the joke that I'm thinking because it's not going to be funny when I explain it. But in my head, it's funny. It's funny and, here. And uh, that's the opener. Hey guys, you're listening to Drunken Uncultured. We are a drinking problem masquerading as a pop culture podcast. I'm Lindsay. I'm Stephanie. And Lindsay just learned that she's been recording with her microphone upside down. I have been. <laughs> um, not like the entire life of the podcast, but... Recently. <laughs> recently. Cool. So, um, this is the first episode of June... Oh, God, it's already June. We've been in a panorama for a little bit too long now, and I feel like I've lost all sense of time. I realized it was June, like, it clicked that it was June a couple days ago, and was like, how the fuck is it June? I feel like I haven't done anything. I barely go outside. Yeah. We're all turning into Bo Burnham at this point. I am, like, I feel like I'm really becoming a homebody. Like, I kind of like being inside. I hate it. I've been losing my goddamn mind. I mean, granted, I also get very sad, as you've seen. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, like, nice to be inside, but also I think I'm just, like, getting Stockholm Syndrome. Entirely possible. You get Stockholm Syndrome and I develop ADHD, so there you go. Oh, I mean, I definitely think I have ADHD now. <laughs> don't get me wrong. So, um, it's... The first episode of the month, so I'm going to take us into Stephanie's Music Corner. Um, if you guys remember last month, I was kind of saying I that the beginning of the year, there was really hype on album releases, and then it kind of died down, and I felt like very uninspired by the music that was coming out. And then May came around, and I was like, holy shit, did we I don't have know some if the good listeners stuff? remember that, but I definitely do, because I was very excited for May as well. Yeah. So, um, actually, the five albums I'm going, to, I'm going to talk about came out within the first two weeks of May. Like, that's how good May started out for me, musically. Do you have, and I, I don't know if you've done this, but, like, an average of what you've rated albums? No, across? but I, I use a Google Doc, so I'm sure I could put that together if I wanted to. Because I, I would be curious about, like, how, I mean, I, I can see it. Yeah. Like, just looking at it, nothing got below a, five, uh, a four. Yeah. One thing got a four, and that's, like, the lowest rating. I don't think really anything got five. Like, you mostly have eight, yeah. uh, eight nine, tens. Yeah. Or, sorry, seven, six, seven, and eights. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So. And then a few nine, tens sprinkled in. Yeah. So, um, May was very good to us for music releases, um. So the first one I'm going to talk about came out on May 7th. It is the band Ice Age, which we talked about in the last episode. Yep. Um, their new album is called Seek Shelter. And it is, um, it's definitely a progression for them musically. So it's still that post-punk windmill sound. But they signed on to a new record label and brought in a new producer for this album. So it yeah. definitely has like an evolutionary sound for them that I, I mean, I think it works very well. I enjoyed it a lot. It's, I think it's like less, um, like 
DIY sounding, yeah. if that makes sense. Like, it's got a more polished feel to it. Yeah. Um, which definitely, like, amplifies this album, I think. Yeah, and if you think about it, this is actually their fifth album. So they've been yeah. doing this for a little bit, and it's... I mean, it's definitely got some, like, classic rock influence to it as well, yeah. which is very, like... It's very obvious that that's a thing in this album, and it was great. I loved it. Yeah, I did too. Um, I listened to that in my run the other day. It was very good. Or it is very good. Yeah. Um, so I gave it a 9 out of 10. It was very good. 9 Stephanie's. The The next one I'm going to talk about also came out on May 7th. Um, it is the debut album from the London band Squid. Um, their debut album is called Bright Green Field. So I am absolutely obsessed with this band like this band is like unbelievable with their sound it is so it's very it's like a, I, I hate saying like the phrase polished diy because they still sound very diy they with still, the way they, they still they, sound kind of gritty but yeah. that's a more of an intention than it exactly is like it, it's an intentional production. sound it's an intentional right. sound they're going for rather than a production quality because this album was actually produced by the same guy that worked with Black Midi, Fontaine's DC, and Black Country New Road. Yeah, I mean, this album's fucking fire. Yeah, um, it's so good. I I remember, like, text, we were all listening to it at the exact same time. I think you were yeah, maybe, I think like, so a song too. ahead of me, and we were just, like, talking about it th- throughout it. It slaps. It's so good. Actually, if you, like, I think I took a photo of it, but if you went on Spotify at the time, you could see myself, Stephanie, my boyfriend, and, and one, one of, of our friends, one of the friends was listening, listening to, to it, it at the exact same time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like um, right when it came out. This album is very like chaotic sounding, but it's it's the intention, and that's how Squid wants to you know be themselves. And I love it. I absolutely love it. It is such yeah, a good um, album. I always kind of compare it like the singer of Squid, who is the drummer, to Isaac Brock from Modest Mouse. He has a very like schizophrenic quality that he brings into songs sometimes and it's just like so chaotic but like goes really well with the melodies because it's it's they're like juxtaposed yeah. against each other um because it's like melodic and then he's like kind of crazy like wailing uh it's it's a fantastic album it's really good from start to finish yeah um i gave it a perfect perfect 10 i thought it was phenomenal yeah no i think that's fair and i think i was gonna bring this up is that like Ice Age and Squid came out on the same day, and it, like I know you don't give two tens on the same day. I normally don't give two so tens on the same day. I feel you're like right. that gives um, that gives Ice Age like an uh, like somewhat an unfair disadvantage. It's not like you're being unfair; it gives them a disadvantage just having come yeah. out on the same day and being compared. I listened to, to them back to back, so that was yeah. the other thing too. I listened to them opposite. I listened to Squid first and then Ice Age. Yeah. Okay, so my next one also came out May 7th. Um, this is a collaborative album between the hip-hop supergroup Zarface and then um, MF Doom, who we lost last year. Um, mm-hmm. So this was the their second time doing an album together. So they did an album together in 2018 called Zarface Meets Metal Face. Um, but this is a... Apparent. This is the one of the final projects that MF Doom worked on before he passed. So this was like a really big album to come out. Um, I saw you were listening to this before we recorded. <laughs> I was, yeah. Oh, well, I was listening to this as canon because I like that song a lot. Yeah. Um, this was a really, really cool album because like it's got so many different 
really influential hip hop artists on it because like the actual super group is made up of other members of other super groups. So mm-hmm. it's just got a lot of really heavy hitting artists that make up this collaborative project. Yeah. Um, I, I really like the song. This is canon now. It's like entirety is about like the Avengers and Marvel. Yeah. And this album very blocks. much is um, very like nerdy references throughout. And I think that's yeah. what made it like very fun to listen to. So uh, I gave this actually, I gave this an eight out of 10, but I just thought it was really well, it was well worth talking about. I mean, especially with um, this being the first posthumous, how do you say that word? Posthumous? Posthumous? I don't know. I always say posthumous, but I I don't think that's the correct way. Yeah, I I don't think, okay. Listen, we're not great with words over here. I don't know how to speak English. Uh, (laughs) The only language I speak. Um, So this was the first posthumous release from MF Doom. So I thought that was definitely worth us talking about. Um. The next album came out on May 14th, and it is the sixth studio album from our Lord and Savior, St. Vincent. Um, I so, say this all the time to people, and I probably shouldn't say it so it's, on, it's on the internet, but, um, and I think this is a disgusting idea, but uh, Annie Clark can spit in my mouth. <laughs> fair yeah i hate the idea of baby birding but she could do it so um daddy's home is the name of the new album um it is fantastic um, name for an album because it's something that we say all the time (laughs) um but this album i thought was really interesting because it's a little bit of a diversion musically from the last album she released which was mass seduction which is um a little more art poppy in its production and this is very much feels like a 70s like dirty rock album yeah, it's it's interesting because it's so like deep, dark and dirty. It like it feels like I described this to our friend Joe is like she feels like almost a dominatrix like housewife waiting for her husband to come home so that she can step on his balls. That's a very specific description, <laughs> but it feels like that. It's a very like, she's specific the housewife, but she's the daddy. <laughs> Jesus, she's Christ. like not making bacon. She's, like, not bringing home the bacon, but she's the daddy. Okay. That's that's a way to I'm describe... I'm already one deep. I'm sorry. <laughs> I am, too, and I don't think I would have described anything like that. Well, I mean, it's what it sounds like, does it not? Am I wrong? I mean, I just think of it as, like, a dirty 70s rock album. I don't think about it with this very specific <laughs> storyline that you've created in your head. Is she also baby birding her husband or her partner or whatever? Oh, probably, yeah. Jesus I mean, in the scenario where she's a housewife, yes, and then she's making like Jello. She's got the Jello on the table and a collar in another hand. Oh my god! <laughs> um, I don't know where to go from there. Um, I don't think I have much else to say about this album. <laughs> How many Stephanies? Um, I gave. It... Oh my god, I gave it a nine out of ten. Oh, God. Oh, why did you have to describe it like that? <laughs> okay. Is it going to change the way you listen to it forever? Probably, yeah. When my physical copy comes in, I'm going to be playing it, and I'm going to be like, oh, Lord. Um, <laughs> Lindsay said this. So then um, 
the last album I want to talk about is I think so um this album was a complete surprise to me and it completely blew my mind. So let me open with that. Um I'm going to talk about the album The Blue Elephant by Matt Berry. So um Matt Berry is a famous English actor. So he's been in a ton of TV and um film in the UK. But he's most well known in the U.S. right now for his starring role in the television show What We Do in the Shadows. He was also in Community. He was in Community, yes. He was Uh, a grifter. But I'm saying, like, right now, that's probably what he's the most well known for. Um, So he released a psych rock album. And apparently he's been doing this for years. So when I listened to it, I thought it was more, like, jazzy psych rock, like... It was weird. Um, but I was listening to it, and I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think it was bad. I just, I wasn't expecting it, and it it was so jazzy. I just, I don't know what it was. But I think because it was so unexpected to me, because yeah. they're actually, they actually do say how he took influence from jazz on this with the yeah. psych sound that he's trying to go for. It's, yeah. I thought it was an excellent album. I gave it a perfect time because I was just so yeah. blown away. Like I was like jaw on the floor and Steve came walking by and he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, you know, that Matt Berry album. And he goes, oh yeah, everyone on the internet's talking about how good it is. I'm like, I'm listening to it right now. <laughs> um, it's, oh my God, it's such a good album. I loved it. It was definitely a perfect 10 out of 10 for me. I think this is the first month that I've listened to everything that um, you're talking about. Oh, good for I'm good also, on you. like, now, well, I'm now, like, looking at your list and deciding what to listen to based on your ratings. Good on you. You need li- some more music your in your life. I listen to a lot of music. So we're drinking different beers today. Um, we're always, well... Once a once a month, we'll probably yeah. be drinking different beers next episode too. No, we're uh, we have an interview episode. Oh, sorry, I'm thinking. What is that? July. Yeah, we'll figure that out. I'm not super worried about that yet. Um. So, do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? Do you want to go first? Um, I can go first. Okay. So I'm drinking um a beer from Devil's Canyon Brewing Company in San Carlos, California. They are a, what they call a microbrewery. Um, I feel like most breweries in California are considered microbreweries because they don't have, like, distribution outside of, like, their region. Um, I thought that but was considered this is a nano a... brewery. Or is a nano brewery one that doesn't distribute at all? I don't know the difference. I don't know what the difference is. I feel like they're the same word. Micro and nano, I know that are different on, like, the science scale, but I feel like it's an arbitrary term when it comes yeah, to Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, go on. Um, anyways, this is one of their Kaleidoscope series. Uh, this is the Raspberry Lemon Sour Mash. It is a sour ale brewed with raspberries and Meyer lemons. It's extremely tart on, like, the front end. It's got a, like, heavy lemon flavor. But then it's kind of mellowed out on the back end with that, like, sweetness from the raspberry. Um, it's got a very, like lemonade like raspberry lemonade like pink lemonade flavor almost. Oh, interesting. Um, which is really nice. It's, like, really, really refreshing. It's 4.7 ABV. Um, what else? Somebody on Untapped described it as crushable. Um, I would call it crushable except for the fact that it's, like, pretty sour. 
So, like, you couldn't chug it. Um, but, yeah, it's got, like, a really nice, like, light body lemonade flavor. And then it has, like, that twinge that a sour is going to give you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, like, raspberry hits really nicely in that, like, it's not overwhelming wet raspberry. Um, it just kind of, like, mellows out the tartness. Okay. Um, so I am drinking Gator Time from Off Color Brewing here in Chicago. And I'm pretty sure this beer came out around the time of um, Chance the Snapper. This was, like, I think the beer that they were inspired. Like a year and a half ago? Yeah. Two, well, they've, been, they've been brewing this beer for... Ago? They've been brewing this beer for a little bit. So this isn't, this isn't like, a new like beer. two and a half? Yeah. So... Midnight 2019? So this is a uh, fooder fermented wild ale that was re-fermented with cherries. Ooh, so it's about 6% ABV. Um, hold on. This is a really tiny bottle. It's also only like eight ounces. So it's a cute Ooh, little guy. So is, there, is there a snapper on it? Yes. He's in a bathtub. Oh, that's so cute. He's very cute, right? Oh, he looks so cute. <laughs> So, um, a bubble bath, a bubble bath, bubble bath, bubble, bubble, bubble bath. So this beer's not super acidic, which is really nice because, um, if it was, I would have severe heartburn. So glad that we're, uh, glad we're not going to have that over here tonight. Um, it's a little bit dry and then, um, the cherry is more of a tart cherry flavor. And I think that's where a lot of the tartness comes from. But you mm. kind of get that on the back end. It's very dry when you initially sip it. And then you get the tart cherry kind of on, like, the end of the sip. Okay. Overall, it's very good. Yeah. Do you have three words? Yeah. I'm going to say dry, tart, and cherry. Okay. I'm going to say um, this one is acidic, lemony, lemonade Okay. I'm going to say that one instead. Well, no, lemony. I'm going to change oh. to lemonade Um And then tart. Very nice. Very nice. Puckery. Little, got a little pucker going on. A little puck. Cool. So let's get into the episode. So um, today we are actually celebrating the 40th anniversary of the Indiana Jones franchise. Uh-huh. So um, the first Indiana Jones film, Raiders of the Lost Ark, was released in June of 1981. So uh, to start this off... It's June of 2021. It is. That is... 40 years. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying. I was trying to make a run, but it didn't work. Um, before I like get super into it, what was your like earliest memory that you could think of what, like, with these films? And like, do you know what the first one you saw was? Um, I don't. I think my first memory, actually, of these films is not the films itself. I think there's a theme park <clears throat> that has like an Indiana Jones... Um, like acting thing that goes yeah. on like you can see Disney sit. World right yeah so like that's my first memory of Indiana Jones is like sitting in the crowd and I was like six or something like that like seeing that yeah and I don't know that I like I, I probably had watched the movies with my parents at this point 
But, like, I don't really have a memory of my first Indiana Jones experience outside of, like, that moment sitting there watching, like, this this play thing, whatever they do, whatever it's called. Happening yeah, and that's actually really funny because that's kind of my – I have a similar situation. Um, <laughs> I definitely know that the first one I ever saw was Temple of Doom. Like, I have a very okay. distinctive memory of, like, that's the earliest Indian Jones experience I have. But I think I was too young to, like, really realize what I was watching. Yeah. And then I definitely saw that Disney stunt show. And that's what it is. I had show. no idea the rolling boulder thing. Like, I didn't get that. No, I didn't either. And my dad was, like, super kid. into it. And I, like, didn't get it. No, like, that's the same thing. Like, I think my parents wanted to see it more than I, like, I don't yeah. know what cared about it. My parents wanted to. And I remember, like, the rolling boulder thing. And I don't think I realized, like, what it was until I saw that scene in the movie later on. And then I don't even know, I mean, I clearly had seen the movies at some point as a kid. But I feel like the first time I distinctly know I watched, like, all three of the original films was in preparation for the Crystal Skull to come out. So that was 2007. Yeah. I would have been in high school. Yeah, I think school. I was, like, nearly an adult when I had finally seen all of them and, like, remember watching them. Yeah. I definitely but was, they, like, middle school or high school because my dad, like, my dad was big into video rentals back in the day. So, like, we definitely yeah. rented them all to go, like, watch it. And then we went and saw it in yeah. theaters. Yeah, I mean, I definitely had seen them because my mom and my dad were very into them. Yeah. But, like, I don't – maybe I fell asleep or, like, I was just, like, playing with stuff. Like, I think I just didn't care about it when I was younger and then kind of fell off until I was older. Yeah. So, um, the the franchise itself is based around the adventures of Dr. Henry Walton, a.k.a. Indiana Jones Jr., which is – that is a mouthful of a name. Mm-hmm. Um, he is an archaeology professor, and I feel like this was the first time that like, people were like, man, I want to be an archaeologist. <laughs> um, so... Spoiler, archaeologist professors are not that hot. No, no, they're not. Um, so, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark was released in June of 1981. Temple of Doom was a prequel to Raiders of the Lost Ark, and that was released in 1984. The Last Crusade was released in 89. And then the fourth film was uh, The Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was not released until 2008. And then there is a Mm -hmm. fifth film in the works that is tentatively scheduled for release in 2022. Okay. Let's talk about the fifth film at the end, though. Yeah, that's what I was... Because there's a whole thing I want to talk about. So um, on top of the films, there's also the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles television show that was in the early 90s. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a series of comic books that were written by both Marvel and Dark Horse Comics. There's an entire book series that was written around the character, and there's been a whole mess of video games about this in, the, yeah. the adventures of Indiana Jones. And I feel like there have been other video games that have been kind of inspired by totally. Indiana Jones. Like Uncharted, I think, is like a very much an inspiration of Indiana Jones. Tomb Raider. Yeah. Similar vibe. Like, Yep. Um, so just as some background... Um, George Lucas wrote um, a a story called The Adventures of Indiana Smith in 1973 as a way to create, like, a modern version of the serials of the 30s and 40s. So, like, the serials is, like, a a short story that's told, you know, like, James Bond is considered, like, a serial because it's, like, a different story every time. They, like, publish it in magazines sometimes. 
Um, but the, so with that, like the entire story is meant to be like kind of like campy. So yeah. it's not meant to be like taken super seriously because those serials in like the 30s and 40s were very overly dramatic. It was very obvious, like it was meant yeah. to be over the top. Um, so while on vacation in 1977, after, you know, trying to take a break from Star Wars fandom, um, George Lucas ran into his friend Steven Spielberg. And Spielberg told Lucas he wanted to direct a James Bond film. And George Lucas was like, um, he pitched a concept that he says, in air quotes, is better than James Bond. And then basically outlined the plot of Raiders of the Lost Ark to Spielberg. And so uh, though Spielberg absolutely loved it. And a deal was made with Paramount Pictures for five films. Okay. And um, the plot, um, there is a, the, the, the plot changes between the films. And it's that's meant to be like the Bond-esque kind of style yeah. to it that Spielberg wanted to bring. Where it's like a different leading lady. It's a different character. It's different villains. All of it. Um, mm-hmm. The change in tone between the films reflects... Um, it's actually kind of ref- a reflection of what was going on in both of Lucas and Spielberg's lives at the time, going through divorce, going through loss, mm-hmm. you know, separation from their family. That's the Temple of Doom era. And then um, the reconciliation of, you know, parent and child is the, um, the Last Crusade era. So it's kind of interesting to see how their own personal lives kind of reflect with the tone and the change of the story of Indiana Jones. Yeah, no, that's super interesting. And then um, a few concepts had been thrown around in the early 80s for this fourth film, because obviously they signed on for five. Um, But Spielberg and Lucas both were working on other projects that kind of steered them away from any of the concepts they were generating. A lot of them were like Alien Invasion. And that was around the time Independence Day was in work. Star Wars was in work. So both of them were like, no, we don't want to do this. Um And actually, it wasn't until Steven Spielberg's son mentioned, hey, what's ever going to happen with Indiana Jones for them to, like, revive the project? It literally took Steven Spielberg's son being like, I want to see more for him to do something about it. Um, And then obviously, they've called it like an absolute hellscape of production because they had so many different writers come in and out so many different like changes and to just to get it off the ground um that mm. you know kingdom of the crystal skull is what it is you know you can kind yeah, of tell I mean, um yeah and then disney has officially owned indiana jones since the acquisition of lucasfilm in 2013 so yeah that's some like the big background there so it's I I knew that it was a collab between Lucas and Spielberg, but I don't think I realized like the extent how tied together they both were to this project. Yeah, I knew as well that like I mean I knew it was a, a George Lucas idea and that Spielberg produced it. I just I don't think I realized Spielberg either. was the director for the first three. Sorry, directed yeah. it. Um yeah, I don't think I realized just how much, like, how collaborative it was that they yeah. both kind of, like, created this franchise together from, like, this fever dream, essentially. Yeah. Um, and then the other big thing, I think that's a very important fact about, like, obviously Harrison Ford being Indiana Jones. Um, George Lucas wanted Tom Selleck to be the, the title character. Um, 
and Steven Spielberg recommended Harrison Ford, but Lucas was like, well, I've already worked with him twice on American Graffiti and Star Wars, so he wanted someone else, and then Tom Selleck mm-hmm. turned him down. So Harrison Ford was the backup plan. I think that's really interesting, because, like, if you... Like, thinking about it, I think Tom Selleck would have been a really good Indiana Jones. Especially at that time, 81? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah exactly. I think he would have been a really good Indiana Jones. Like, that's kind of... Like, heartthrobby. Yeah. Um, but, like, also, Harrison Ford's iconic, so. Exactly. Um, it's, hold on, I'm trying to open this. Yeah, it's, I can't even imagine what the franchise would be with Tom Selleck. <laughs> really mustached. Yeah. Or would he, I don't know. <gasps> would he have shaved the mustache? I don't know. No, would I, he have had a mustache? I don't know. I, that's creepy. I don't like thinking about that. Yeah, like, what? <laughs> I don't want to see his upper lip. I don't think I've ever seen his upper lip, so I think that would I don't freak, either. <laughs> I think that would freak me out a little bit. But he definitely has like that rugged. I don't know that he could be like a professor. I mean, Harrison Ford does not look like a professor. I mean, I think Tom Selleck could be more of a hot professor in the eighties than Harrison Ford. I guess be. that. I mean, yeah, I guess that's fair. It's a little bit more believable for me. Yeah. Is it the mustache? Is it the mustache it's for you? Definitely the mustache for me. <laughs> Um, so what is your favorite 80s? That mustache It is is very 80s. Um, what is your favorite film in this franchise? Ooh, um, I think Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's my favorite as well. I think it's such Um, an incredible movie. Yeah, I think it goes in order for me, like Lost Ark, then Temple of Doom, then Crusades, and then Kingdom of... Kingdom the Crystal. I mean, if I don't, if I have to only pick, if I could choose three, I would only choose three. (laughs) Well, yeah, I know, same. Kingdom of the Crystal. If I could choose, actually, let me rephrase that. Let me let me rephrase my order. It's Raiders of the Lost Ark, then Temple of Doom, then Last Crusade, then Raiders of the Lost Ark again. (laughs) Yeah, um, that Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is a very bad movie. Bad. You know what's really interesting, and like Shia LaBeouf is an odd choice. Well, what's really interesting is Temple of Doom is considered to be one of the worst Indiana Jones films. And it's specifically because this the story is so tonally different than Raiders of the Lost Ark. So when people went into the theaters to see it, that's fully yeah. what they expected. They were like, where are the Nazis? Where's Marion? Like, where are the Nazis? But I don't think people understood. Cause I didn't understand it, honestly, until I was doing prequel. research for this. I had no idea it was a prequel. Yeah. Because I was watching yeah. the order. So they I had don't no idea. set it up that well. No. So I think it's just very interesting. Like, I get it. Now that, like, I I get it now, but um, yeah. I definitely didn't get it. Like, I'd never thought about it before. And then to me, I just thought of it as, like, it's like a James Bond movie where, like, there's a different leading lady. There's a different yeah. villain. Like, I that doesn't bother me. Like, I, that doesn't, you know... That's not they a don't need to, like, to me. flow from one to the other. It's no, not it's like an individual this, story. This act, right. It's not like a, the plots flow together yeah. and it's like one over. It's not Star Wars. Well, people, right. because George Lucas was tied to it, they're like, oh, it's going to be like Star Wars. Um, right. So Temple of the Doom is considered, because it's also so dark and violent, and there's a lot of, like, well, there's a lot of very racist depictions in that film, but people right. didn't know, people didn't really think about that at the time. 
um, looking back, they're very racist. Um, right. But it's just such a different film in general. So people can constantly compare it to the first one. So they view it as like this the Right, but we don't film. sit here and compare all of the James Bond movies. No, because there's so way like, too many. Well, but that's the thing. Like, you don't sit here and say like, okay, well, like, you know, Quantum of Sol... I don't even know if that's a... That's one of them. That's a Daniel Craig one. Okay. Well, I was going to name all the Daniel Craig ones, but I don't. You don't know what they are. That one, Casino Royale. You don't compare those two. That's one. Skyfall. Skyfall. That's one. (laughs) I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Um, there's There's more. more. I don't remember. remember. Well, no, I just don't remember like the date. I don't know any of them. Um, you got Um, Die Another Day. That's a Pierce Brosnan. That that is Pierce Brosnan. Madonna wrote the song for that one. Yeah, I know. I remember. (laughs) That's the one with Halle Berry, isn't it? Uh, that I don't know. I don't think I've seen. I think Halle Berry is the. Bond I think girl. I've only ever seen Daniel Craig, Daniel Craig. and Sean Connolly, and that's yeah. it. <laughs> Sean Connolly. Oh, sure. That's his name. <laughs> I, I thought know. you were saying it that way on purpose. <laughs> no. Um, Listen, he's. I don't know who he is. He's I an know actor. This is a James Bond episode. I just have to say that. I want Idris Elba to replace Daniel Craig. I want Idris Elba as James Bond. I support that. I like it. Idris Elba's fucking hot, and I want to see him in more movies. So, (laughs) back to back to Indiana Jones. (laughs) Um. So we talked about our favorite films. What? Yeah. What's something about these films that stand like as? To you as a viewer, what is something about these films that stands out? That like very like you think of it and you're like, oh yeah, that's an Indiana Jones thing. Like, what uh, is there like a something that happens, or is there like something within the films that makes it like yeah very distinct to you? So I mean, I think two things like things that I specifically think about that are like Indiana Jones are like one the whip, mm-hmm. like the fact that that's like a weapon, <laughs> um, and then. I don't know why you looked at me like that. You would think, do, do chains and whips excite you? <laughs> this is not a Rihanna song. Calm down. <laughs> this is not a Rihanna episode. It could be. <laughs> um, but yeah, the whole whip thing, like the the action behind like him using the whip um, as like a de- like a weapon mm-hmm. device thing is very cool. I think it's very Indiana Jonesy, um, and then very much like. The, I don't know how to describe it. It's, like, the cause and effect of certain things. Like, when he, like, um, like, when things are just, like, the booby traps. That's the thing for me that I think it is. The booby traps. It's, like, whenever he's in these, like, areas going to, like, find artifacts or steal artifacts, clearly. They're always booby trapped. And, like, it's very Indiana Jones. And I now, like, kind of think of it as... That's a plot device in many, like, archaeological movies, like The Mummy. Well, The Mummy's very heavily inspired by Indiana Jones. But, like, Tomb Raider also is like that, where, like, things are booby-trapped. And I think that, like, that was, like, the blueprint for that. Totally. um, Style and that, like, that. Yeah, and I mean, like, now the most, I think, one of the more iconic things for me is The the boulder. Like, the boulder yeah. is, like, the thing. And that's constantly... I don't know a, that I can call that a boulder. It's a ball. It's a rock. 
It's not just a boulder. It's, not, <laughs> it's a rock. It's not just a boulder. It's a rock. But that's like the very, very first scene in um, yeah. Raiders of the Lost Ark, too, which I think makes it even more like iconic. Because well, I that think that's film like the sequence. pinnacle scene that totally. you think about. Yeah, I Which think Which is it's... why it's in that, like, stunt thing for Disney. Yeah. It's like, that's the pinnacle scene. That's, like, the most iconic scene to come out of it. Like, they reference that in Community. They have it in Community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. In your favorite episode. I know. Um, but he's... Ugh, man. I think that that scene specifically... Yeah. It's just so standout to me. And then, yeah. like, and I know it's totally a John Williams thing. It's got nothing to do with anyone else. But the use of the, like, theme song throughout the films, mm-hmm. I think, is also. Well, I think that's interesting because, like, that's very much a Spielberg thing, too, where, like. True. To use an E.T. Spielberg has, right, he has very iconic, like, intro songs or, like, very iconic songs that you, like, immediately associate with that movie. That's John so, like, Williams, baby. Yeah. But I think that's, like, their frequent collabor- yeah. t- collaboratorship. Yeah. Collaborations. Um, that, like, they, they derive, like, they almost sit there and are just like, let's let's come up with a song that people will hear and think this movie or this franchise. Yeah. I mean, that just speaks to John Williams in general, because he did the original Star Wars, too. Right. So that, I mean, in general, I think builds so much to it. But um, that opening scene, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I think the other thing that um, it's just one of my favorite scenes in the movies. It's also from Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's when they first reveal the Ark of the Covenant and the guy's face melts off. That's very the iconic. face melting yeah. scene. Yeah. yeah. I think that's like another very iconic. I mean. I think so too. It's just very. Yeah. It's super iconic. Yeah. I mean, I googled. Movies. I googled Indiana Jones and Nazis. And the first thing that popped up was the face melting scene. Yeah. I mean, that's something that we think about. Like, that's. That's also that scene cracks me up because I think the, the yeah. effects are so campy. Yeah, but it's also really well known because that's definitely like a practical effect at the time, so that's why it looks extra crazy. Hmm. And then I also really like. Well, I'm just kind of looking through some of like the more iconic scenes from um, the franchise. The scene in Temple of Doom, the opening scene, where they're, like, trying to get the vial, and they're, like, in the nightclub, I think that's a really, that's a really cool, like, long shot where they're in Shanghai, because, like, it's just following them trying to fight. Yeah. That's a really cool one. Um, that fight scene um, I think is a really, really cool great. fact is that, like, in, um... Raiders of the Lost Ark, there's, like, this whole scene where, um, Indiana Jones takes, Indiana Jones takes down that guy with a gunshot. Yeah. And how, like, it was actually, like, they had, um, like, choreographed an entire, like, fight scene, um, with, like, with him, and he was just, like, tired. (laughs) And, like, wasn't feeling well, so he just, like, took his gun out and shot him, and they loved it so much. Yeah. Sure. 
Which I feel like is is pretty Harrison Ford like too to just be like I don't want to do this. Yeah, I know. I almost wonder how like that comes into like these later years. <laughs> so I think that we should talk about the new one that's been yeah. Created. Let's uh let's talk about this new one that's coming out supposedly next year. Uh, so I'm really excited. Um, I was just reading something about how we're getting, like, kind of snippets into what's happening, and the Nazis are back. I do know the Nazis are back. And we got Phoebe Waller-Bridge. And do we know I if she's supposed really, to be, like, the love interest? Because I hope I really not. hope she's not. I love her so much. I want her to, like, him to be passing the torch to her or something. Ooh, I would I want love her that. to be the next Indiana Jones. So, like, I'm, I'm hoping that she's not, like, the love interest. Um, I love I'm her. I'm hoping that she, I want like, she's, so much like, maybe her. a student or something. I don't know. Yeah, I hope I not. do. I want so much for her. I love her so much. Yeah. I just need her to turn on the camera once in that movie. Uh, oh, if they don't, they're not, they're not going, going to. to. It's not that. It's not Fleabag, but. Um, so originally for this new movie, they pitched the idea of having Shia LaBeouf be the main character. And it would be like uh, Last Crusade where Indiana Jones comes in like his father does in Last Crusade. So like Indiana Jones would be a smaller part. But uh, I mean. I'm glad they didn't do that. Yeah. Well, nowadays, yeah. Even then, I'm glad they didn't do it. Oh, my God. I forgot that Mads Mikkelsen is going to be one of the bad guys. I love him. I don't know who that is. Hold on. Um, is that Vigo? He's from, well, you haven't seen Hannibal. I don't know what else no, he's I will in. Not. Yeah, I know. I, will not I know. That. I know. I don't know what else he's in, but he's in Hannibal. Let's see. He's in a bunch of things. None that I've seen. Oh. But the from what I've been reading, this this fifth film has kind of been bumped around a little bit. They've changed screenwriters a few times. Um, and then obviously they were going to start filming. And then um, the pandemic yeah. happened. So they're just now picking up filming. Because they were going to start yeah. in la- a spring of 2020. Right. So. It'll be interesting for sure. I'm excited. I'm optimistically hopeful that this will be better than the last because Phoebe Waller-Bridge is in it, and I love her. And I will watch it just for that. Fair enough. So one thing I do quickly want to, like, talk about, and, like, it kind of came yeah. up because we were talking about the Disney parks. So there's a ton- there's a couple, like, rides based on this. Yeah. So there's that stunt show, which I don't think is a thing anymore, by the way. I don't think so either. Um, no, I think that was replaced. But wasn't that, was that not replaced by, like, an entirely new area in Disney? It, it could have been. I haven't been to Hollywood Studios and who the hell knows how long. Let's see. Oh, no, it's still there. It's still there in Hollywood Studios. Oh, okay. Um, I think they've rewritten... No. 
I don't think they redid it. Huh. Well, good. One classic yeah, so thing's still there. Escapes straight out of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, but um, I was reminded that there is a ride at Disneyland that's based off of Indiana Jones that I went on, and it was the weirdest thing I've ever experienced. It's It was definitely made in, like, the early... It, like the 90s it's super old it's very weird um it made me a little motion sick (laughs) to be totally honest is it like the giant vehicle thing yeah so it's a giant vehicle but it like tips up and tips back so you're constantly like pivoting a little bit and you go side to side but like you go up and down the whole time so it feels like you're riding a wave while you're riding a roller coaster it, uh-huh. it made me a little nauseous. Yeah, I get that. It was a little much. It was a cool ride. I def- I watched a uh, ride through of it earlier, and then I texted That's my f- at like the California Disney. Uh, it's in Disneyland. Yeah, yeah. I watched a ride. I never of remember it, the difference between. And the I two. texted my friend who I rode it with, and I was like, "Did I black out this entire ride? Because none of this <laughs> looks familiar." Literally, I like. I was like, I don't remember any of this. I remember being very motion sick when I got off, and that's all I remember. I do remember that when you're walking through the queue, if you push a thing of bamboo, it looks like there's spikes falling from the ceiling on you. I do remember that. That's exciting. Yeah, that was fun. That sounds fun. Definitely scared a bunch of kids because I pushed it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I think, I think it's really interesting to see like how much has taken like the same kind of storyline so we've hit on it like the mummy. tomb raider the mummy raider. it's all very the uncharted video games which are gonna like there's gonna be a movie coming out for them i feel just like the the concept has been so heavily like used over and over again which it it works like before that it didn't exist no. really as a concept but and like you wouldn't think that like following an archaeologist would be an interesting concept but it really it is. It's like this isn't what archaeology is actually no, like. Not but at all. It like, um, it's a really neat idea. Yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, no, you're not wrong. Like a lot of movies do, like kind of copy that concept now. And it's interestingly enough, all movies that we like. Well, it's also interesting because I was watching something on YouTube where they were talking about the influence that this franchise has had, and they were, like, using very specific scenes from film to film to, like, side by side to say, like, this was these films, like, this particular scene was inspired by this particular scene from Indiana Jones. Like, there were references (laughs) to the Pirates of the Caribbean films. There were references to horror films. There were references to all kinds of things. And they literally did side by side screen clips to say like look at the influence that like these particular films had yeah on the rest i mean i can definitely see pirates of the caribbean yeah taking influence they're both disney too well yeah well they weren't at the time but yeah 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 so things like that it's just very interesting to see like how much these films have been a part of everything like i feel like Mm -hmm. i always remember in even like even though like you and I, like, didn't watch, or we don't have memory of watching the films that much as a kid. Like, we totally know, like, this is, like, a huge thing. No, like, yeah, you know, like, the iconic scenes, and, like, it's ingrained in pop culture. Absolutely. So, I think it's, I just think it's crazy that after 40 years, we're finally going to get another movie. <laughs> um, 
cool. Do you have anything else you want to talk about? No, I think uh, I think that about wraps it up. Yeah, um, I'm excited for five. Excited to see where they go. Yeah. All right. So with that, uh, if you enjoyed this episode, which we both hope you did, please go on your favorite podcast streaming service and give us a five star review or, or five star review, a five star rating, or write us a review. Um, if we get a good review, we'll read it on the show. We say this every episode. Um, if you're not totally comfortable doing that, interact with us on social media. Listen through the song and you'll hear all of our social media plugs. We love talking to you guys, so please talk to us. We'll talk back. <laughs> you will hear all of our social media plugs after the song. And with that, we will see you next time. Bye, guys. All right, that was the episode. So we love hearing from you, um, and if you want to contact us, you can do so through our email address. It is drunkanduncultured at gmail.com. We are also on Facebook at Drunk and Uncultured Podcast. Our Instagram is drunkanduncultured. And our Twitter is drunkuncultured. No and. And as always, I'm Lindsay, and you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and untapped at lindsaysoldout. And I'm Stephanie, and you can find me on Untapped, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr as underscore Stephen Color. And you can also follow my concert Instagram at Shitty Concert Blog. Stay drunk, guys. See you next time.